Thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. Great to talk to you today. Great to talk to you today. And today we are talking about Quilting Point. This is our part two. This is our Quilting Point for our discussion of Seminar 3, Psychosis, Psychoses. Sorry. Although, is that, is that the same in French and English? I think it is. Yeah, it's psychoses. Yeah, okay. Psychoses, plural. So yes. this podcast is going to be in, uh, it's going to be in thirds. So what we're going to do is talk about the uh, idea for itself, where it appears in Seminar 3. Because again, as I said, this is part two. We're going to quilt our discussion on that. The second third, this is an idea that drops, it drops out of Lacan. And uh, perhaps becomes something else. Perhaps it stands alone. Perhaps uh, other uh, psychoanalytic theorists have uh, indulged the idea to, to various extents. That is what we're going to explore in the uh, in the second third of this, because this idea is so important for seminar three, and it's a it's not exactly like Dasting, um, where it Dasting. I think the common sense idea is that like uh, object uh, overwhelms dusting as an idea, even though they are separate. And so that there, there, there's that, but this is a, this is a little bit different. So quilting point seems to be very like conclusive for the problem that Lacan is investigating in seminar three uh, at all. And then it does seem uh, strange. That it doesn't appear uh, later really. Um, so we're going to look at that in the, in the second part. What's, what's the, what is the life of the idea after Lacan, uh, we're going to look at um, how it appears in, uh, in in Zizek. And then in the third third, we're going to look at the uh, the idea for itself and find a way to uh, to re-see it, to revise it. It uh, sounds like a Hegelian triad, Ryan. I don't know. You know it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, 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 who Hegel? Is, you're talking about Catherine Heigl? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know this person. So, uh, so yeah, so we're looking at for the idea. Um, so as it appears in the uh, in Seminar 3, then sort of the life of the idea uh, after uh, Lacan, uh, and then uh, the idea for itself, a revision. So, Todd, bringing you in here. Uh, what, there, it is crucial... I think in the trajectory of seminar three, which um, I think maybe we could do like a, a slight recapitulation yeah. about what, what the idea is. It emerges at a, at a, at a, a propitious point, let's say of the seminar. Does it not? For sure. Right. He's trying to, I'm so he's built up the whole, the whole seminar is basically about how the psychotic subject lacks the big other and mm-hmm instead refers to some imaginary other and so lacks this, you know, he doesn't ever say this yet, but it, the, the psychotic subject is a, the non-duped, right? And mm-hmm. so that's the problem mm-hmm. of psychosis. And then, so they're, they're stuck in an imaginary relation. And then what he's trying to get to, so the quilting point chapter comes toward the end and it, it's really his the point at which he's wants to... <laughs> I mean, this is a funny thing. He wants to quilt his own discussion yes. of psychosis with the quilting point chapter and and underline exactly what is what's the psychic event that happens that causes psychosis to be to form, right? And mm-hmm. and and his idea is that there's a skewed relationship to the signifier. And the 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 relationship is that the psychotic lacks these points that tie the signifier to the signified, so tie the signifier to what it means. And I think that's, it's mm. interesting because he gives this, ex- he sh- there's a little, there's a 
is it a graph? It's a it's a diagram, I guess, a picture mm -hmm. of, of of wavy lines, one on top of the other, and the top line is for him the signifier, and the bottom line is the signified. And for Sassur, look who Lacan gets this from, those just line up. And mm -hmm. Lacan's point is, well, no, actually they slide along on top of one on top of the other, and they don't really necessarily line up at all. And for the psychotic, they don't that's the problem, is that they don't line up. So his idea is what makes them line up for people that aren't psychotic? And the answer is there are certain, he thinks, multiple quilting points, although he, the, the, the main quilting point he's thinking about in Seminar 3 is the signifier being a father, right? That's what he calls it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the I think the, the most important, this, this is a, a crucial idea. It is something that separates... Lacan from the other, uh, as you know, we have a problem with uh, the uh, the post-structuralist uh, designation, but this is something that um, separates him from anyone else who gets uh, grouped under that that name. Uh, you know, like uh, we have mentioned this before, that uh, you know, Derrida, for example, uh, is on to the basic point that Lacan is saying here about the sliding of signification, right, right. and the but the thing that separates the the two of them is that for um for Derrida there is no there's no quilting point um and this is it seems like it seems so important not just for um the clinical method that he's uh, articulating here but also just like the wider theoretical point and even and even for the the era this idea that like this uh like a misfire between signifier and 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 and, and signified this like this 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 inability to be as you put it be uh non duped this inability to uh be brought in to uh oh i don't know like how like how the how the signifier uh like has meaning from person to person like this 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 inability to be situated within that uh it seems so crucial and so important uh to Lacan and then for it not to, I mean this is jumping ahead but for it not to be brought up later it seems uh almost almost scandalous like it's like it seems so 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 crucial especially here. when Ryan it's the basis of the idea of the short session right like yeah, is a great is a great point by you yeah so you yeah, would yeah, think yeah. that like the thing that he's as a practitioner most known for and mm -hmm. and that 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 got him thrown out of the IPA. So you would think it, it really means something to him. You mm -hmm. would think that the theoretical basis for that he would develop and sustain, but he doesn't. So it's that's yeah, very I, strange. It isn't, and then that's interesting. I mean, and this I think is so. We talked about um, Hamlet the other uh, the other week, and and we got into uh, parts of Desire and its interpretation, the sixth seminar of Lacan. And there, I think maybe it's arguable that. Um, if that's, were he to put, cause he does talk about the short session in that, um, seminar. Um, it, but he says what he does is he introduces cut and it's, I think it's interesting that, that I think like cut seems to, uh, overwhelm. Replace. Uh, yeah. 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 Over. Yeah, exactly. Where, and, and that we're going to come back to, I think that's a, a, a crucial concept that has to be, uh, thought of, uh, alongside uh, quilting point. Um, but before we get there, um, this is on page 260 of, uh, the third seminar. Um, 
the signifier just uh, doesn't just provide an envelope, a receptacle for meaning. It polarizes it, structures it, and brings it into existence. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty clear. Those are, those are yeah. nice, yeah, nice, uh, nice sentences. Uh, Two sixty one. Uh, the relationship between signified and the signifier always appears fluid, always ready to come undone. And I think again, that's just like going back to the point I was trying to emphasize about, um, like it's like a, I don't know, it's like walking up to a fork in the road, like Lacan and and Derrida and and Deleuze. I, I, Especially I Derrida, I think on this point, don't you think? Yeah. Like those, yeah, so that's the main opposition, I think. Yeah, and then he he goes down this path of of quilting point, and that and this path of like the eventually like the non duped air. Like it's not like he doesn't for Lacan. It's not a great point to. It's not a very uh, um, revelatory point to say like, hey, do you know that meaning only acquires stability through repetition, and that actually things don't mean anything. That's not a very revelatory idea for Lacan. Or that that signification is always sliding, right? Like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, right. And so Derrida will make a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm, Like that, mm -hmm. that, and always try to point out a way in which a writer will uh, arbitrarily or, or tendentially try to arrest the sliding of the signifier, right? Like that's, that's what, yeah. that is what deconstruction is as an activity basically. Yeah. So, and so, so like yeah. Lacan, the more, I mean, you tell me if you think this is a, like a, like a, a, a fair characterization, like for Lacan, it's not so much the, like, uh, things only mean anything in rep in, in repetition. Like, so that like they, so they don't have any, any meaning at all. And isn't that scandalous? His thing is that like, okay, yes, things acquire meaning through repetition and it's why and how that stability occurs. That's worth paying attention to because for the people, the people for whom uh, just accept like a a symbolic um, exchanges as having a stable value. Like you think of that as like, quote normal, like you don't have to think about doing that. And what he's saying is that like, no, there's like a tremendous amount of work that's actually being done. Like there's like a psychical investment that is happening into the stability of the signifier that for people who are psychotic, they just like cannot do. Do you think that's a fair characterization? I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? That he's like, he, he doesn't, it's not one of these things where, although he does do this to some extent, as we talked about last time, uh, just breaking down the distinction between normality and psycho psychosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is he, the, what he is doing for sure is saying, look, there all this activity has to occur, and accepting this lie, whatever what you want to call it, this this anchorage that mm-hmm. is just contingent. You have to accept that in a way the psychotic won't, in order to accede to normality. So I think that I think that's a really good point that he's trying to expose the work that is done to go into the constitution of normality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the, and then, and then of course he wants to show the proximity of psychosis and, and normalcy. But I think the main thing is what you're saying is to show this activity that goes into it, this sine qua non of normality that the psychotic doesn't partake in. And isn't the other gain here that to not look at it this way, one has to be, 
like if you if you think i guess i put it this way like if you think you know again quote quote unquote normality like if you think of it as uh there there is no activity to it it's utterly passive and that what the psychotic is is that they can't be passive anymore like for example i mean that that i think could be a way of understanding that i think think that's the common way of understanding it well then and then just like the common way of understanding it then it doesn't that only lead you to neurological biological like it just it means that this person is like defective damaged in some uh, way defective yeah right. and and right. and and right. that they can't they can't just do the quote normal thing and it's like i just like to me like like i i think i've said this a number of different times on, on the on the show that one of the most fascinating and, and i and i think um attractive and uh and and, and um i don't know rich positions that psychoanalysis has um is its stock and trade uh, is that like normality is the weird thing. Like it, yeah. it's, it's it, like, that's like any, like, you know, Freud and that, that great note in uh, three, three essays in the theory of sexuality that what is it? How does it, how does it go? Um, the exclusive um, heterosexual, I, I don't know the phrase, but like exclusive uh, heterosexual uh, feeling on, on behalf of men for women is a phenomenon need of explaining. It's something for yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. Ba- yeah, basically, yeah. His what Freud is saying is that like heterosexuality, like like there, there's nothing in psychoanalysis that that says because people are not uh, human beings don't have the urge to procreate in the way that animals do that. So in everything in, in that, that psychoanalysis understands the 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 complete and utter, uh, you know, fixity of, of heter- heterosexuality for like uh, as, as just a normal thing is it's strange is a, is right. a phenomenon right. in need of explanation like that like that's that's like that's how freud is thinking about things and i think it's it's sort of the well, same thing don't you think here. he thinks it's all there's there's something inhuman about it like there's something yeah that's, that's there's something yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for the head the heterosexual is a little too animalistic for freud i think there, yeah there's, <laughs> and there's a whole i mean you could say that lee edelman's whole project is to is to say that right that the homosexual desire is human desire, right? And that heterosexual yeah. desire is still stuck in some kind of animalistic... Stri- I mean, I think I'm putting words in his mouth. He probably wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, there's something appealing about that, uh, especially because you know, you're, you're, you're governed by this animalistic fantasy of, of reproduction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not always, of course. Like yeah, no, but heterosexual it's a, couples that have nothing to do with reproduction. Right, right. Of course. I mean, it's a, it's a. I mean, I think it's an interesting point, and, and it is at least like this is the ground. This is the ground at which the you know we we think makes psychoanalysis so fascinating. Is it's 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 uh, like, and it's also the ground at which like. Um, uh, I mean, I think a lot of the uh, just the, the brief tangent on the, on this, like the a lot of the attacks on psychoanalysis that actually make it out to be this uh creator of normality which are were the am i right in saying that those first attacks were uh done by the nazis like to discredit oh that's uh, interesting i were they the first to do that i mean certainly that certainly nazi that is an attack from nazism for sure yeah so yeah, yeah i don't know the if they were I the first I don't know. yeah they may i mean it was they're certainly like that was what the you know i i, I always think that that's just it's so funny like they just like 
that was the that was one of the the, the Jewish science like the, the Jewish science to, for sure yeah for sure trying to make it yeah, for trying sure. to make it out to be uh to actually like mute the radicality and I do find it so funny that like uh, in uh, common parlance uh, a, a lot of people do happen to agree with the Nazi point of view on, 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 on psychoanalysis <laughs> yeah. so uh, but moving aside but from I, that, I just want to just pick up okay, on okay. one thing you said because I think yeah. it's really good that you you said that that the psychotic like that that Lacan's understanding of psychosis, also Freud's, I think, but especially Lacan's in this quilting point section, is that the psychotic, the, the normal actually takes a step further. It's not that mm. psychosis is a deviation from normality. It's that in a certain way, normality is acquiring this other locked-in signifier that's a deviation mm. from psychosis. And I think this line near the very end of the seminar, this is out beyond the quilting point section where he says, compared to you, the you, I think he's assuming his audience is normal, not psychotic. Uh, compared to you, the psychotic has this disadvantage, but also this privilege of, of finding himself a little bit at odds with a skew in relation to the signifier. And I think that's, but the point is that the psychotic hasn't undergone that second operation of, mm. you know, acceding to the the law, the non du père, the law of the father, right? And so I think I think that that it's such an important point that it's first, it's it's normality is this added thing. It's this added mm. defect, yeah. added deviation. That that's the defect, and the psychosis is more the starting point. I think that's really really crucial. Yeah, it's like I I, I like that line from I said it last last uh, I think last week uh, that. Um, in psychoanalysis, terminable and interminable from Freud that uh, normality is an ideal fiction. And it's like the, so what Lacan is saying, I think it's so, I think it's so crucial is that um, the psychotic actually sees something that is really important, which is this uh, non uh, inextricable tie between signifier and signified. Like they, that, that is actually something they see. And, but what they, the, it's they're stuck in the position that because there is no inextricable tie between those things that uh, nothing means anything. And right. it's all, it's all made up and, and topsy turvy. And how can, how could you, how could you do anything in the world and say anything in the world? Because there is no, uh, there is no external guarantee to meaning. And if there's, since there's no guarantee there, there's, there's no, there's no guarantee on anything I do, anything that I say, any, any interaction that I have. And that is the, like that, that is not an improper, uh, it's not a, that's not a, that's not a wrong observation. Like that, that's why I think is, is really important. Is like, that's this, it's not like, Oh, this way of thinking is, uh, pathological in a non-psychoanalytic, like in a common sense, like it's pathological. We need to medicate it. Like you shouldn't think that way. Of course things mean things, something it's like, right. no, it, it, you actually no. They, they really, they acquire, they acquire meaning through repetition. Like you're absolutely right. It's like, right. um, right. it's the, where, where you have to move to is even though things only acquire meaning through this repetition, uh, that they, that that is how they that is how they mean, and that like you, you have to be in, invested in that to have any kind of uh, interaction, uh, quotidian or you know uh, b bigger like uh, right. at all. And and that and this is you know to to get to the to the line, and it, it takes him a long time to to get to this. Um, Lacan in the seminar two sixty eight, the point of convergence that enables everything 
that happens in this discourse to be situated, uh, it, it is important, is to be situated retroactively and prospectively. So what the quilting point does emerges as this point of meaning that uh, enables things to make sense up to a point and also, and then this is a point we're going to come back to, it also allows things to mean something moving forward from that. Right. So it's right. it's retroactive and prospective. Okay. Right. And, and, and just to be clear for him, in this seminar, the quilting point is the name of the father, right? Like it's, yeah. there's, there's an, actually one is wider than the other, right? So the name of the father is one quilting point, but it's not the only, there can be other ones. So he's, he's, so at this, I should say as such, because he, what the quilting point is at this time is what it will always be for him, right? Because he never mm-hmm. goes back to it and develops it. So it's name of the father, but it's more uh, expansive than that. And then mm-hmm. he, the, the example he gives is a fascinating one, right? So he's discussing, discussing Racine's play, which I haven't read or seen, uh, Italia, and and I, I, I he 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 says in the play there's this all like there there's this moment at which all fears are abandoned for this one fear, which is the fear of God. Like the the mm-hmm. one fear stands in for all fears, and it's interesting because it seems like he's identifying or linking the quilting point to the structure of meaning, but then. He describes it in the, in very affective terms, in terms mm-hmm. of like fear, like the way it can it can take away all these other fears. And then he says, finally, the fear of God is able to transform all fears into perfect courage. So mm-hmm. there's a way in which isn't what he's getting. I mean, he's really talking about how here, at least, how the quilting point can function ideologically. And so the link yeah. to the Father, to God, I think is important, right? So it it takes all these things that are at work and wraps them up into one that like I have all these other authorities, but I'm just going to fear one authority. That's the fear. So it's fear of God. Right. I think that's what Mm -hmm. the idea is. So it's a, it's a way of a way of giving absolute authority to one figure, Mm -hmm. name of the father, and then Mm -hmm. taking it away from all these competing figures. I think that's what he's, he's saying, right. Is that how you, yeah, that? no, that, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, the, uh, you know, we got a line on, on 268. Uh, um, uh, and he's talking about the, oh, okay, all right. Uh, th- this, okay, this line I think is, is pretty incredible. And another reason why it is curious, he doesn't go back to this idea. The schema of the quilting point is essential in human experience, period. No other sentence, that's the end of the paragraph. Next paragraph. Wow. Um, why does this minimal schema of human experience, which Freud gave us in the Oedipus complex, retain its irreducible and yet enigmatic value for us? And why privilege the Oedipus complex? Why does Freud always want to find it everywhere with such insistence? Why do we have here a knot that seems so essential to him that he is unable to abandon it in the slightest particular observation, unless it's because the notion of father, closely related to that of the fear of God, gives him the most palpable element in experience of what I've called the quilting point between the signifier and the signified. That's a question that I just made sound like a statement, but it's to your point um, that the uh, the fear fear of God uh, the, or, or of this like ultimate authority does for him to be uh, a concretizing an object for the quilting point. And I think, I mean, we certainly think that that doesn't have to be the way that that works, but that right, is right. the way I mean, he... Th- you that's how he understands. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. just the point. Yeah. That's how he understands it here. We don't and, think and, that's and how you have to understand it. The fact that it's idea, tied, we'll that, later. 
the fact that it's tied to the short session mm. suggests that it doesn't have to be ideological, right? Like there, yeah, agreed, agreed. There, it's structured as a way to challenge ideology and to, you know, like we'll talk about that later. Like where you put the quilting point is really politically important, Very right? Crucial. And I, I think yeah. here he doesn't. I mean, he never will talk about that. If he doesn't talk about it here, he doesn't talk about it anywhere. And it's because, I mean, I think I part of me thinks he's limited here because he doesn't think in political terms ever. Mm, you, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's part of what makes him miss hmm. and turn away from the quilting point. I also think the fact that he links it so strongly to the Oedipus complex, mm. I think as he develops his thinking, Oedipus complex will become much less important for him. And maybe he, this is debated, maybe he abandons it altogether. So... That would explain, like, if if Quilting Point is totally linked to the Oedipus complex in his mind, mm-hmm. that might explain mm. why, why it, it drops, drops out. out. I mean, it, it still good. it still does appear. I think I don't know if we mentioned this before, but it still does appear in a mention in the yeah. Subversion of the Subject in the Dialectic of Desire essay. That's from sixty early sixties, sixty three, sixty four. So, uh, so you know, so there is. There's still some remnant. It's still sort of knocking around in his head a little bit. He remembers it. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't yeah. Like yeah. forgotten it. But, but I think but, I do. Th- I do think it's the. I think it. It probably. I mean, my take. I mean, just from because there's just that that scant mention, and then I I might even say, and not to push us to the second part of our triad uh, before before we uh, get there of our own volition. Uh, it, I think I think it's arguable that for Zizek. And for others, there's thinking that there is not a lot of there there for quilting point that it, 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 it and, and maybe that is because he ties because the ties it to Oedipus complex. Maybe that is maybe. part of the reason why he thinks there, there is a, there's no there there. But um, for uh, before 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 we move on, part, part of the why quilting point, why, why is why is this why is this thing? How have we gone 20 something minutes and haven't uh, gone to, to that point is uh, what he talks about is the. Um, on an upholstered chair, there's right. uh, buttons on an upholstered chair, and so what what does a button do? Like when uh, when you see an upholstered, I think I would want to assume most people have seen an upholstered chair uh, that or just or a, a chair quilt, but or actually quilt. an actual quilt does has the same thing. So, so yeah, the, with the 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 thing that Lacan gets from the the button is that like what does the button do on the chair? Is it it makes the design of the chair like it like it actually focuses your attention somewhere if you're looking at it not when you're sitting on it but if you're looking at it so it lends some kind of design cohesion where do you put these buttons but you know what else it does is it stops the batting that's what it's called right. the stuff the stuffing of the chair it stops that from spilling out right. and so if you think about that as the way of understanding the relationship between signifier and all possible signifieds, which is the kind of the, the Deridian position. And, and I, I would also say like the Delizian position, like there are like yeah. all these, uh, signif- like p- potential signifieds. It's just like, it's scandalous. Like how, like how anything means anything, um, that what the button does is it, it arrests that. And it's like, yeah, the ch- it means this one thing. This is a, this is a chair. This yeah. is an upholstered chair for sitting in. That's what this could be all kinds of different things because of the batting, but you know what this is? It's an upholstered chair. That's what that's what this is. And we're like it, it can only be this one thing. Yeah. And, it's, a, it's such a yeah. good point. And I kind of just add one thing. Like the, Go the ahead. 
it's interesting that I think this is a case where the translators did a good job because point de capitaine, which is the French, mm-hmm. means it's what it's what quilters or chair makers, whoever, use to describe this very same phenomena in French. So so even though mm. point de capitaine, that seems like how do you get quilting point out of that? Well, mm. that's how, because they're using the, the terminology from this other discipline mm-hmm. of quilting or of, of 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 fabric making and and that and they're and they're translating that idea. So anyways, I just find that yeah. interesting that it is an actual translation of the technical term that look that that is is used. Yeah, no, and it's uh like that I mean I think that that I think that even helps. I mean that's even part of the um I mean I think translation is a really great example is that like there you have choices in translation and yeah. things can mean certain things, you know, things don't things don't tra- they they don't translate perfectly because of a whole raft of uh you know li- linguistic and cultural reasons but you know that that uh signifier uh perfectly like it perfectly arrests the idea in english and in french uh and in french you know. well that's a fascinating thing right so the the form of it does what the content of the word yeah. says i should just mention that russell Grigg, it's a great translation of seminar 3 i've i've read it in french and english and it's just like perfect so mm. it's a. I know that I should have probably said this in our seminar three episode, but you did say it. Uh, did I say it? Oh well, that's you did. I. <laughs> I'm I'm headed down the path of my mother towards Alzheimer's. <laughs> oh, so oh, that's oh, a, it's a sad thing. Yes, yeah, so I'll leave that in just so leave, we can. Yeah, leave it in. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that in. <laughs> so, so we, we have a, so we have a record. Of me, uh, Conf- can... I'll confess it several times uh, <laughs> in subsequent episodes too. So yeah, yeah the, that'll be part it, of a the the as the repeti- as the repetitions go on and you fail to remember, like we can cut out me uh, weeping on the other on the other end of the call. That's right. Uh, uh, what we was can your cut that part out? Yeah. <laughs> What's what was going to be your follow up about Griggs? Well, I was just going to say that I think that the 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 point. I think that the point is that. Why is he talking about an affective relation, like the fear? Mm. I think the point is that it's through that relation, like our affects are are also solded to, tied to our knowledge and the re- regime of signification through the mm-hmm. quilting point, right? So mm-hmm. that's also, and I don't think he fleshes this out at all, but I think it's true that the way in which the sig- our the way in which the quilting point functions both stabilizes signification for us and also stabilizes our affective relationship to others within the social structure. So I think, Mm -hmm. I think he gets to that through his example, but I don't think he fully develops that idea at all. He doesn't even mention it, but I think it's, it's underlying there. Well, I, I agree. And to further uh, support this, uh, his, to, the to set up to get to even the the name of the quilting point and what he's talking about is as you said he goes through this um play a section of this play from uh, Racine and this is where to move us to the second third um the life of quilting point after uh seminar three it gets wrapped up in end ending only I would say strictly and part of that is in how Lacan even talks about the idea here in he he goes through how how the play means anything and it's um i i i, I told you before the show i drew, draw a parallel to um Edgar Allan Poe's philosophy of composition where he explains uh how he wrote the raven 
Uh, and it's like the, what he says repeatedly is that the end, the, the word at the end of the line, uh, told him what to do with the next line. That's one thing that happens in that. It's also, I would argue the first essay, uh, that's on the theory of television. Um, because, uh, it's, he writes 1840, obviously it's, I mean, I'm being a little tongue in cheek there. That's like 80 years before television exists. Um, but it's written in 1846. Charles Dickens is the first two words of this. And what he is writing about is like, he thinks serial storytelling is, uh, crap because it blows. Yeah. He thinks, yes, that's right. It sucks and blows. That's he doesn't, he doesn't think it's, it's good at all because for two reasons, it's uh, not brief. You can't do it in one sitting. Um, and it is not total. Uh, so brevity and totality ends up being his theory of the episodic. Like you need to have the something it, need, it needs to, to mean everything it could mean uh, in one sitting or else you lose the effect of the fiction. So right. he doesn't, he doesn't, he does not invest in the idea that between uh, issues of a serial episodes that there is a psychic life that is positive for the effect of a fiction. He doesn't think that that is that that's possible at all. So th- it's sort of, justifying why you know the short form for him is uh, is everything that like you you grip someone for you know 20 to 30 minutes and that's all you can do which does also give the lie to the idea that we've somehow now we have like less uh attention span than we did in the past like i mean he's saying 1846 people can only pay attention for like 20 minutes so i i think that's anyway, anyway. Yeah, but that hypocrite wrote a novel <laughs> So there we go. Uh, maybe this is yeah. why most. Maybe this is why most people. I, th- I think like there. There is the idea that he. He. This whole thing is tongue in cheek, and no one takes it completely seriously. No, I take it seriously. I, I do think, too. But yeah. But, but yeah. Don't. But, but, yeah. Yeah. Go, oh, go ahead. No. No. You. I'm just gonna say it's interesting because the opposition to Dickens to me is really important. Like, mm. he. So Poe clearly Poe is kind of making a argument for quilting your work of art, right? Like yeah. you mm-hmm. have to quilt it yourself and mm-hmm. don't and don't leave it open because and don't not know what you're gonna how you're gonna quilt yes. it when you start it. Right. Yeah, so definitely. so he would be if he was a television showrunner, he would be the kind that pitched his show like this is how it's ending. Oh and yeah. Dickens would be the opposite, right? Like Dickens mm-hmm. would be He's like, well, how's the audience respond? Like, you know, he wouldn't even right. have written the first novel if the audience. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, there's a way in which Dickens allows, I think, sorry, but I mean, I'm not talking theoretically, but I think Dickens so dwarfs Poe as a, as a figure <laughs> that it's not even, yeah. Yeah. it's not even funny. But uh, Dickens says, wait a minute, I don't have to impose the quilting point. It can mm. actually be given to me through this interaction with the audience. Yes, I think. That's, I think that's, that's exactly and, right. and and yeah. and he took that all the way to the end with great expectations, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, people didn't it. like it. Okay, I'll change it. So, change yeah. I think that that's pretty cool, and I think there's something. I mean, this ties back to what we were talking about in the streaming episode. That there's a way in which Dickens, there's a he gives an agency to the to the audience that is mm-hmm. lost in someone like Poe where the quilting point is dictated a priori. I don't know. I feel I'm much more on Dickens' side on this, but I understand where Poe is coming from that you, yeah. otherwise you're just, otherwise he thinks you're just a, like a Derridian artist, right? Like you're <laughs> just like, Oh, I'll just throw some signifiers out there and then 
however I decide to quilt it, that's how it's all contingent anyway. So what? Right? Like yeah. I think that there's I think that he 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 he's a very Lacan of seminar three short story writer, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so. I'm going to be really excited to come back to this point in about, I think, 25 to 30 minutes. And it's going to mean something different. So I'm really excited for that because this is really great. The Poe, just to, to nail that down, I think um, Dickens would what's your modern corollary for Dickens would probably be someone like George R. R. Martin. Uh, and I think uh that which which I, I choose as an example to show to also give a little bit of credit to Poe's observation that like you know if you leave if you leave it open the the text can take you over and that can right. be a problematic dynamic to get yourself caught in. Someone else can and decide how it's going to end. <laughs> someone else can decide how it's going to end, right. and then everyone right. thinks you don't have anything to say. Yeah, yeah. and so for Poe, Poe would be closer. Poe Poe is I mean I think it's pretty obvious and clear it's a twilight zone or black mirror like it's just like the right. an anthology sh- show it's 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 like strictly like again it is it is not that those are brief necessarily but uh because we're talking like 40 minutes or an hour or something like that uh, but well, to put totality. the best put him in the best light it's wire right like he's because each no each no season, that's I, I don't want to give him too know, much credit I, that's yeah. no no no. i don't even think that i although i mean i do like the baltimore connection but i think that is it's far too serial to, for that for, for yeah but what it what it but each season is is self-contained right and yeah and, that's fair and i think simon and simon had an idea of how he knew how each season was going to end when he made the first episode i think so, so this is it i mean people yeah. pretty much only talk about dickens with that show so i think i when we eventually do the uh wire episode i think it'd be nice to come back to this thing about like yeah, the wires yeah. actually actually between or uh, yeah, yeah. between Poe and, uh, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 dickens yeah. or or a combination of the two um fascinating all right we're gonna we're gonna come back to this in, I, we gotta I make a turn so here 25 yeah. 25 30 minutes why did i start talking about this i started talking about this because the reason why poe uh, or what Poe does in uh, philosophy of composition is he talks about the the end is what uh, leads him to write the next line of the Raven and Lacan basically does the same thing he's talking about uh, Racine is 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 the point he's trying to make is that things only mean something when you get to the end. I bet half of you thought maybe there was a pause in the podcast. I bet Todd thought maybe our phone call dropped for a second when there was that little bit of pause. His point is just that you don't know what something means until you get to the end. Part of this, I think, has to do with like English being a syntactic language, but like it's not like Latin where the word order doesn't matter that much. But the word order matters quite a lot in uh, certainly in English and in, and in French and in the French, yeah. you know. And yeah. so the so if we want to move a uh, quilting point out of a chair, you might think about the period at the end of a sentence. So you need to when when the sentence ends allows you retroactively to understand what it meant the whole time. But this is where part of the reason why I brought up Poe, this is where I think Poe is closer to Lacan than Lacan is close to Lacan. Because as I mentioned, Lacan says that what the quilting point has to do is it has to be situated to uh, allow for meaning to make sense retroactively and prospectively. And he, in, in his example, he's really only talking about the retroactive portion of it. And he doesn't, and he really, he doesn't get into the process. The Racine thing. example. In the Racine yeah. example, yes. And yeah. so this is the point. We're going to make our turn to talking about uh, Zizek, who um, we talked about this in the Casablanca episode, I think, and elsewhere. Um, par- probably partially because of uh, Lacan's example is, uh, is narrative. 
uh, here, Zizek talks about the uh, narrative uh, application understanding of a quilting point with the ending of Casablanca and right. his point in this is in looking awry that there's this uh, story of, uh, of Casablanca, which is that they didn't know how to end the film. And that part of it actually comes from lines. And we talked about this in the Casablanca episode, so don't need to go over it, but part of it comes from lines in the film as well. And that they were making it up as they went along. And Zizek's point in, in that, in this portion of looking awry is that, it could have ended in any number of different ways. And what people would have said, they would have said the same thing about it, which is that this, what an organic and, 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 a, a, a ending that for, to this film that totally grew out of the preceding action and narrative tension. But it, that could have, people would have had that. This is his claim. People would have had that same uh, reaction if it ended in, two or three or four different ways. But if that was just the ending, what people would have done is they would have gone from that retroactive point backwards to have made sense of that trajectory. So that is how I think, I think I'm right in saying that like that, that, that ends up being like the, the life of quilting point after Lacan is it comes to be this, this end, like this, this, this end point that is uh, retroactive only. And like in the Racine example, it gets uh, brought into narrative um, and uh, in fictional meaning, and it does kind of get taken out of its very important place in, um, in the social. And again, to, to quote Lacan, uh, it's essential. In, it's essential uh, uh, place in human experience, as he says in uh, Seminar Three. So, or even um, in psychoanalysis. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it a short. Yeah. The idea of the short session, right? Like the punctuation mm-hmm. mark on the session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. That, that drops out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just that drops, drops out. out exactly. uh, but I, I do want to also say that I think it would be, and I think this actually speaks directly to what you're saying. Like, I think that, you know, one of the things that Slavoj does is he will often say the master signifier or the quilting point. So he takes mm-hmm. what Lacan go. does, which is to bring those two, the name of the father and the quilting point together. He does that. He does that himself on numerous occasions. Uh, if he doesn't do it, I would. I. 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 I think I looked pretty exhaustively. I couldn't find a yeah. place where he. He makes it. I thought he did. I thought. I thought. Well, he knows Slavoj separate. No, I don't think he does. And I. I actually think that it's important to think of them separately. And the example I. I've said this before on the podcast. I've said it before to you. I think the. The best example of this is. Uh, so a German under under Nazism, so the, the master signifier, the name of the father would be Aryan, German, something like that, right? And then how do you know? And then the function of the quilting point is to let you know what that idiotic master signifier means because it's idiotic mm-hmm. because it, it lacks, and this is Lacan's definition of a master signifier, it's an S1 that doesn't have, it's a signifier without a signified, right? So it doesn't have, it has no proper signified, which is what gives it its exceptional status, but it also makes it meaningless. And so it requires this quilting point to give it retroactively meaning. And then the quilting point in the case of the German Aryan would be Jew, right? Like Jew, like you, how do I know what it means to be a German? Well, I look at the Jew and everything that's not that, that's what mm-hmm. 
That's what it means to be German. So I think that's a really, that's my favorite example of it. And I think, although you can think of a lot of, I think, a lot of ideological racist examples, I, I think, function in the same way. Although not just, right? Like, I think it mm-hmm. functions even that way for, the, I don't know, the fan of a football team, right? Like the fan, the fan, mm-hmm. like they're, that they're a, like a diehard fan. Uh, they have a, uh, you know, they have a, they're, they're, the, the team's name, let's say, is functions as a master signifier. And then mm-hmm. the, the name of the arch rival is the, mm-hmm. how do I know what I am? Oh, I'm not the, all those horrible things associated with that other team, right? So yeah. I think, I mean, I think it works not just in, and that's a relatively non-pathological way <laughs> that it functions, <laughs> right? So I don't think it has to be pathological, although I think we'll talk later about how it can actually be politically radical. But I think just to get, I, I just think yeah, it's really important. And I don't, I understand why Lacan doesn't do it, but I think he, he misses a big opportunity and look, who cares what, I mean, who's, who cares who says it? What matters is, mm-hmm. is it true to the structure of signification? And I think it is true to say you have to distinguish between that first S1 master signifier and then the subsequent quilting point that gives you, that stabilizes signification. Because I don't think the the master signifier itself can't be responsible for the stabilization because it's just a, it's a starting point, right? It's not mm-hmm. a, it doesn't mm-hmm. provide that anchoring that it's, it promise, it seems to promise. I think I want to be uh, even more concrete here uh, about Good. master signifier and its relate and its relation with, uh, with, with quilting point. So, have we done an episode on Master Signifier? I, I do yeah, not. Yeah, we have. We have. Okay. Yeah. Let's recapitulate it then. Um, I'm going to give you... So here's... I'm going to give you a Master Signifier, and I want... This is how we're going to do it. I want you to explain to... Not not just to me, but to me and the audience why this works as Master Signifier. So I'm going to give you a... I think what I think is a very good Master Signifier okay. that is not Quilting Point. Okay? And okay. I'm excited. I hope I, I hope I screw it up, and then that oh, way no. we could keep the screw up right on the... Anyway, no, 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 it's gonna be great. Okay. okay, nation. Oh, okay. So nation is has to be a right has to be a master signifier because I don't know. You can't. It's like uh, pornography, right? Like you can't. <laughs> I know what it is when I see it, but I can't define it, right? Like that sure. is the so that very inability to decide to de- like what is it that constitutes the nation? Well, is it language? No. Is it mm-hmm. uh, culture? Not exactly. It's all, like, and all these things that we want to come up with as a positive definition for nation, they're lacking. Mm-hmm. And so how do I define it? I define it by, well, I can say what it is by showing another nation that mm-hmm. this nation is not. And then that other nation functions as the as the quilting point for the nation. As the quilting point. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't it also, I think Master Signifier, so again, is, and, and they, they have two very, very different functions. Master Signifier. Totally different, as, yes. As, as, Lacan, as Lacan explains it, is a signifier without a signified. Whereas quilting point, according to Seminar 3, is the, the very thing that makes a signifier comprehensible at all. So, but so that right, and that, but Ryan even more doesn't he yeah. say that it's the one signifier that attaches 
to the mm. signified. So it is definitely yes. not a signifier without a signified. Right. So I right. think cannot be. You know, yes, exactly. Look, exactly. like he hasn't yet defined. He's not. I mean, he's using a paternal signifier, non mm-hmm. du père, nine of the father. He hasn't yet called it a master signifier, but mm-hmm. it's still clear that that's how it's functioning. And even though he hasn't yet said it's a signifier without a signified. He should have. And I, I think that that like once like to try to bring those two together. Well, once you define the master signifier that way, then it can't be the quilting point. Right. Like they have to right, be. Right. They have to be separate concepts. Yeah. And I would also say about the master signifier that it's um, it's it's at once a signifier without a signified. And I, I wonder what you think about this. I think something that has too many signifieds to even mean anything. Like that's why that's part of the reason why I picked. Right, nation. nation is a yeah. It's a great example for that reason, right? Like you'd because, say, yeah, what's what's for the good of the nation? You feel, like how like a a hard right winger could fill that in, and that sentence makes perfect sense. And a you know a hard left you know a, a, a political position could fill that in, and it would make it would make sense. Like you know what you know what would be for the good of the nation to to uh, ruthlessly root out uh, the white supremacy behind domestic terrorism. You know what those people would say for the good of the nation <laughs> is we have to get all the immigrants out and et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. Right. And right. there's not like you can't at the level of language or discourse. The only like the only like judgment on a sentence like that is a moral one. That's it. Like, like it right, really, right. you know, and, and, uh, it's so that's, and that's, that's why, that's why it, it, it works. And that's why that's like part of what I think is, uh, if, if you could wrap up, uh, like a lot of what is, um, what makes so many interminable political discussions, like how this is how they propagate online is that actually, I think what people are arguing about is master signifiers and they think right. they're doing something far more right. particular than that, right. but right. really they're arguing right. about master signifiers and it is a complete right. trap. And it's why it's like cynical and circular and it, it doesn't, we don't, we don't move on to another right. thing. Right. Right. Like, like someone will like, I I've even heard this recently, like mm-hmm. this idea, our diversity is our strength, right? Like, the, and, okay. and then, yeah. And then that's a that's a moderate democratic talking point, right? And then yeah. Yeah. the response is no, diversity isn't a strength. Being monocultural and Christian is our strength, you know. So like, right. like mm-hmm. you, you can like once you get into that path, I think you're right of arguing about what the master signifier means. You're always going to lose because, or, or or end up in this this uh, interminable cycle because mm-hmm. the master signifier doesn't mean anything. And so right. it's never going to—the master signifier itself will never provide the answer that you think it will provide. Like, that is right. just—that is a that is a cold, hard fact, right? Like, that, yeah. that, that, like there's nothing—there's no way you can define it in a way that will be convincing mm-hmm. and determinative, because mm-hmm. it's always—it has this quality of openness to it de facto. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's—I think that's very well said. Like, it's—it's— it, it's, uh, in we talked about this a long time ago from was it was it episode did we do a whole episode on what is sex Zapancic's book we did, did we did, we did do that. okay yes Just why are you forgetting more things than me yeah that's not the way it's supposed to go sorry yeah no i i think that, <laughs> i'm just be, because you're giving yourself, me you're yeah. giving me master signifier when i need a quilting point uh, yeah the, that's right the, or your or my alzheimer's is contagious through is, the, yeah it's I think people haven't connection. looked into enough that Alzheimer's is social. Uh, is trans- it's social, right? right. Yeah, there it's, it's a discursive uh, disease. So, um, okay, so we did What is Sex. That's how we, when we did this. Okay, so in What is Sex, which I think is a great book, there's a, um, 
uh, and I think this, Alenka is not the only person who says this, is other people say the same thing, that politically what we need is our new master signifiers. This is a claim that she makes. I don't have the, pa- the book in front of me or the page number, but um, what her example of a new master signifier that does uh, radical work is when Marx terms the proletariat. So that's her example of a new master signifier that right. changes the political conversation. Right. That's how she right. phrases it. Now, the, I think in the way in the way that Lacan means this, and the way that we've been talking about it so far, and in, if we're if, and I think I don't think there's any reason for us to say that when she says master signifier, she doesn't mean like signifier without a signified. That she means something else. I think she means master signifier, signifier without a signified. Yeah, I think Proletari- she does. Yeah, proletariat has a very clear signified. I actually don't right. think that's very arguable. I don't think right. I don't think proletariat is like I, you would. Jeff Bezos is never included in proletariat. <laughs> like there's no there's no way to do that. It's it's not right. it's it, there's no no twisting of language is ever going to get make that happen. So right. I think when when she writes that, I I think and I I do think there is a possibility that we have a well I don't want to put this on the podcast in case it doesn't happen, but um the uh but I. I think oh, we're going to have Alenka on. Yes, we're we going to try. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to try. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see, see if we can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. I'm so make it I will. Up. I will ask. I will. You know, ask her this. Obviously, in a nice way. I don't think that. I think that she wrote Master Signifier, but I think that the idea requires it to actually be quilting point. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And, and, yeah. And I think. I, agree. I think because I think the idea. I think what she's saying is 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 correct. Like politically, is that like you can quilt a political discourse to change it. And 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 to to change its direction of travel, let's say. Right. And I think this right. is, you know, I I mentioned this a few weeks ago. There was like a couple of different political science papers that showed that the uh, George Floyd protests and Black Lives Matter it actually changed the political discussion around uh, racist policing and the the in, into actually being about systemic problems. That it, it it changed. So now that systemic issues like that is now discursively how we talk about it and it completely changed that discussion now you know we'll we'll see we're still in the um uh i think so much of the pandemic is the part of the movie of this era that will be the montage and we're living through it so we're living through the the montage so we'll see what happens so we'll see what happens uh like moving forward but that is a i think a good example of how a discourse can be uh altered and uh, and change from from uh, like a, like an imperative and urgent quilting point, which is I think again I think that that's what Alenka is talking about in that, and it's not master signifier. I don't think master signifier can ever be positive politically, like in terms of like uh, creating change. I think if, if if we're arguing over master signifiers, that is a cr- tremendous benefit to a regressive or conservative side. Agreed, totally. I, I agree totally. Like I think that right. I think that like when. When Marx invents class struggle, he's not mm-hmm. inventing a new master signifier. He's yep. inventing a new way to quilt the structure of the the, the signifying structure of capital, right? Like mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that that has to be the way you understand it. And and the advantage of understanding it that way is that it makes theoretical political interventions more doable because if you have to invent a whole new master signifier you got your work cut out for you right like yeah. especially if you're yeah. going to have to invent one that that really 
that really uh, speaks to people, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, and I think oftentimes people want theorists to, to come up with, give us a new master signifier that we can rally around, right? And yeah. Hegel was yeah. famously resistant to this, but mm-hmm. I don't think he was resistant to the idea, you know, the whole owl of Minerva takes flight, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he was resistant to the idea that the theorist can invent or or not invent, right? Interpret the situation in a way that can provide a new quilting point for it. And then it's totally, you see it totally otherwise. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's really, that seems to me to be the nature of his, all of his interventions, right? Like he's, yeah. I think, you know, like, to me, I read the intervention of the philosophy of right, which is where that Al Minerva line comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read the intervention there as one in which he's trying to say, uh, okay, we have capitalism and we have the state, but let's think of their relationship in an inverse way where mm-hmm. the state has priority and capital, or what he calls civil, civil society, bourgeois society, doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. so that then all of a sudden, if you really do that, then the politics of that of what's going on in capitalism are totally different. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it seems like Hegel's not doing anything politically in the philosophy of right. And he's confessed to the impotence of theory. But what if it's the opposite? What if like that providing the correct interpretation at the right time and then providing the quilting point at the right time is the way is the only way maybe. Yeah, you can I, intervene theoretically. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I think it, it makes it like, um, like, like qu- quilting point is kairos, uh, you know, right. a little bit right. or has a chiretic right. ki- right. function. Like, and kairos in, in right. uh, rhetoric is the 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 right word at the right time. Right, you know, like shooting and, out and, the clocks, right? Like Benjamin loves that example from the yeah. Well, the you know, revolution, I, right? That yeah, yeah. No, and and I I love you know what I like uh, in um, Frank Kermode's book. Uh, sense of an ending. He writes about Kairos and his point. I don't know the that uh, I don't know that people do do enough with this, or maybe maybe I just haven't read it. I have no idea. But it's a, I just it's a really nice point about Kairos is that it's not about, and that's why I think it's important for this discussion. It's not about end for for him. Kairos for him makes a middle appear that was otherwise not able to be seen. So like when the chiretic thing happens, it's like, Oh, all along, uh, this, like, because I have now this point, I can now retroactively see, uh, X, X, Y, and Z when before the chiretic thing happened, I, it was not, not comprehensible at all. Cause and it wasn't a middle. Yeah. Cause it wasn't a middle. Cause you, yeah, right. exactly. Cause you, you did. Yeah. Right. Cause you didn't know you were in a middle yet until the, until the chiretic thing happened. Then you realize you were right. in a middle. It, this does, it's another one of these things that I, I, I think this is both fortunate and unfortunate. It's another thing that, that really, it works best with narrative examples. Like when there's the twist in the film, it's not that suddenly like the film, the a film never ends on a twist and then it's credits like that. I don't, I can't think of that uh, at, at all there's at least a little bit more like, cause you have to process the, the right. thing, you know, I was thinking but, even fight club, there's the, even fight club, like there's the yeah. twist. And then there's the, there's still this whole, you met me at a very strange time in my life ending. Yeah. Right? And you get to listen to the pixies, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's the most important part of the movie. So <laughs> yeah, the, it's my favorite part of the movie too. Favorite part. Yeah. So yeah. there's all, so what it, what that does is it like, it lifts a middle 
out of noise, basically. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that is the important, like, I think that's what, I think Quilting Point has the same potential. Um, that's a great is, point, Ryan. I mean, I think that the, the way that the, like, isn't there a lesson there about living your life as if it's a middle? I think we're too often, we yeah. either think, <laughs> I'm at the beginning of something, or, mm-hmm. you know, we're at the end, we're like, oh, I'm at the end now. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't realize that, really, it's all, it's a big middle, and I think that that, like, if you, th- like, one of the lessons of paying attention to the quilting point is paying attention to we're in the middle. And I think that's a really important, that seems to me really vitally important. But I think you have also a really nice idea about the political intervention mm. through adding a quilting point, right? So Lacan thinks that the psychoanalyst intervenes by cutting the session short, by, by mm-hmm. quilting, he never says it like this, but by quilting the session. And, yes. and, and I, you, that's your idea of political engagement too, right? I mean, I mentioned it with mm-hmm. Hegel, but I think this is your, this is your, you have a, you have an interesting way, I think, of thinking about this in terms of yeah. what makes a, what makes a emancipatory quilting and what makes a conservative one, right? Yeah. So exactly, because this is the question that we've kind of been building toward is that like, how do you know, let's just, let's, um, in, if we accept like our premise, which is, which I would also argue is uh, going back to Lacan to the letter a little bit. And that has something has to make sense retroactively and prospectively. It can't just be end. So we're going to, so we're cleaving and separating the idea that quilting point has to do with end and maybe has to do more. I think as we've just kind of come to, maybe has to do more with middle than it has to do with end. Maybe that's a way of doing it. So, okay. How do you know? Then if it's middle, middle seems amorphous. Like I said, like we're living in the we're we're living in the either the uh, the montage of the movie of this mo. Like I, I told the students, like you 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 just lived through the moment in the movie about COVID that is going to be set to like rock you like a hurricane and it's going to be over in like <laughs> 10 seconds in a film and you're going to be like that was five years of my life or however it's like i can't believe it was 10 seconds in that movie so um anyway or or it's just like a cut like avengers of infinity war we're going to cut to it's going to in the movie it's going to be like five years later you know like there's not going to be any engagement with it at all because it's a middle and it's not a kind of right. a kind right. of a, kind of an end so how then in this space that we're this existential space that we're living in how do we know that we're putting the quilting point in the right place. A long time ago on this podcast, I don't know when this was, I uh, I said something to the effect of, or exactly, uh, as we've just discussed, I can't remember anymore this this morning, uh, the, um, mm. that Trump is the, uh, the period at the end of the racist's sentence, that he right. makes comprehensible a, uh, a white supremacist uh, political project in a way that it wasn't before. So, and we, you also had the example of how quilting point works. And in, in the, again, in another example, dealing with uh, racism in, in, uh, in uh, Nazi Germany. So then that seems it's, again, it's not, uh, it's not a necessity that quilting point uh, has this, this, uh, this tie to like two races. There's no, there's no special or reactionary politics or, right? or reactionary politics to put it that way. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Although again, it being retroactive reaction, I don't know, you could maybe make the thing there, but, but I, but what I, what I think the, the important thing is, so how do you get out of that? How do you like accept that as a, as a, as a problem or a challenge? So two things, like how do you avoid it being reactionary, the quilting point and how, if you, if it no longer has to do with end and also we take it out of realm of narrative and now it's in the realm of politics. How do we do that? 
And so my answer is you're quilting it in the right place if castration is involved. And by castration, I mean, of course, like uh, the the idea that like it's it's something that I would I would say like it implicates I think it implicates you may it may be in a way that you do not want uh, and I think it's a little bit like to again go back to a narrative example going back to our Mad Men episode when we were talking about the problem that we had with the ending of the series that you made the claim that the season before ending was far better because Don far Draper better. takes his takes his children outside of the brothel that he grew up in because and he said like that's me. Yeah, this, this is, is who know, I this am. Is, yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. And that is a, a moment of absolute like acceptance of the of the cut of 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 castration. And I think that w- that was our point in narrative there that like you rather end on I think we say quilting point rather than master signifier. I think might've been the the takeaway in that episode, but, and just to come back around to this, it was what you were saying earlier about what Poe sees as the problem with what Dickens is doing is that it leaves open the idea of end and it puts you not at the whim and mercy of audience, but it means you are not the master of your own story. So you act, so to, to, to make, Dickens uh, writing position more of like an ethical political one. It's an acceptance of your non mastery. That's what the serial author does. It becomes a negotiation between the author, the text, the audience. Like it's, it's in it's, it's this negotiation. Yes. Literally you are the writer, but you have to accept that the thing starts writing you. Right. And that, right. and, and I think uh, that's, I, I would say it's the same thing politically. Like, yes, you, you are a political agent. Yes, you are. What is it that you're not conscious of? You know, you, 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 there's a lot you can be conscious of, but where, where are you? I, again, I just think this goes back to the non-duped error uh, and, 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 not, and not imagining yourself to be outside ideology or not touched by ideology. Where are you ideologically, uh, um, I, I don't know, potent might be the, right. the, the, right. the way. Right. And, and, and that, um, I think that is how we can find the. Uh, it's a great. The, yeah, yeah. The, quil- the quilting point is that that, yeah, that it's such a great political point. The cast. Yeah, I just think it's such a great way to conceive of it, and and to to, to, to unpack the politics of it, right? Like I think, and I, I, it also provides an interesting way to think about television, like the Mad Men example. But also, I was thinking of films, right? Right, where, like, what does does the does the film leave us with the like our own castration the castration of the character in the film or the film's own castration like yeah, can it yeah. show its own cast like the from the persp- like that the perspective of the film is itself a lacking symbolically mm. castrated perspective right so i think i have two examples for this so the one is the one that i love to use all the time it's michael clayton right like he mm. So mm-hmm. it's Clooney. So you're like, you know, you you want him to end up being great. He does something heroic at the end, but uh, this is a spoiler alert. So <laughs> I mean, I won't get into what it is, but he does something heroic, but it's he only can do it through his own symbolic total self annihilation. So, mm-hmm. and then at the end, he's just kind of like driving around New York City in a taxi cab with nothing. He's just, he's just, mm-hmm. he's, he's been stripped of everything. So, so that's a case of where it's the character we see there. But then I was thinking the a time where the film does it is 
the film do the right thing because mm. what does Spike Lee do? So the, for one thing, it's very ambiguous what do the right thing is. Like the film is commanding you to do the right thing and it doesn't really mm. lay out what it is. And, and is Spike Lee's own character, Mookie, does he do the right thing? A lot of people think he actually does, that, that mm -hmm. he, by throwing the can, either throwing the can as a way of like asserting anti-racist. He throws a garbage can through the garbage window can. of yeah. Sal's pizzeria. So either it's a way of asserting a, you know, fighting against Sal's racism, or this is another way it's been read. It's a way of protecting Sal and the other two, his two Italian sons, because mm -hmm. he gets the anger of the crowd focused on the property and not the people. So mm -hmm. That was pretty interesting. So I'm not sure I think that. But but what I like at, at the very end of the film, Spike Lee puts up a quote by both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And one is, mm -hmm. you know, of course, we have to, the, wh what we do, how we do our protesting is important. It's important to be nonviolent. And then the other one is the by any means necessary line mm -hmm. from Malcolm X. So isn't that the film itself, you know, attesting to its own castration? Like, I don't know. I can't decide which of these it is. So it's like it's it's like this this point at which, you know, you can't like I think, you know, if you asked Spike Lee, he's like, oh, the answer is just in the film. But no, it's not. I mean, the mm. point is that the film itself doesn't it like that failure to to make a like that castration is that lack of a final resolve is in, is in, embedded in the film itself. So I think that's pretty it, it, that would be to me the a nice, interesting example, in addition to my favorite Michael Clayton example, which I use all the time for everything. But yeah. anyway, yeah. No, no, that's great. There's, it's sort of reminding me, there's, did you ever watch The Critic? The, uh, I never cartoon? seen it. No, no. Never seen it? Okay, John Lovitz. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, Al Jean and Mike Reese, uh, two Simpsons writers. They made, they, they had an episode about, uh, Ted Turner. Like, there, there, I, I think it was, um, not just about like colorizing films, but it was about like potentially like altering. Films, oh yeah! Wow, yeah. You know, um, and it was commenting on this, and so there's a character in the um, uh, his name is du Duke something or other, who is basically a Ted Turner in the world of the TV show, and he comes up with um, Duke Vision or something, which uh, makes films less upsetting. Uh, it changes upsetting things in a in a movie, yeah. um, and one of the things is do the right thing, and Mookie throws the garbage can through Sal's pizzeria, and Sal comes out and he says, Mookie. You found my favorite trash can. <laughs> and like that's so it just totally removes anything political from it. And then they hug each other at the end. So mm. I was just thinking about I was just thinking about that because I also I also think it um, it makes the like because that um, obviously this is not not in the language of the critic, but something like that is um restoring the phallus that is like quite the opposite yeah, of yeah. castration yeah. right you know like yeah, it is yeah. making it yeah. making it whole w-h-o-l-e right and and yeah. and it is a not yeah. acceptance of the cut so i just yeah. i thought as a as a total contrast i think that makes your your point maybe like it's a, a great more, it's a great example graphic. yeah it's a great example i was also thinking as you were talking earlier that if if the the psychoanalytic political intervention means introducing a a, a quilting point that makes evident symbolic castration, as you've laid it out, then mm -hmm. it strikes me as that, that the Derridian political intervention is showing how every quilting point is false, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is yeah, the, yeah. that is the point, yeah. right? That, and then if you can do that, that's what it means to intervene 
politically in a question as a theorist. So I think it's interesting. It just kind of lays out, I think, nicely. I'm not, I don't think Derrida, like, I don't think he, he would object to that. I mean, he would always, he never just accepts any <laughs> characterization of his position, sure. which is very annoying. Yeah. But I think he, he <laughs> should accept that. Like, I think that is a yeah. pretty fair analysis of how he imagines deconstruction functioning politically that it, it yeah. con- it's a, because he often will talk about it in terms of deferral right it's like a def- mm-hmm. it's an infinite deferral yeah and introducing the quilting point that makes evident symbolic castration is an interruption of that infinite deferral for the fact of castration i think so yeah so, I, I i i love the way i love this idea of of the political intervention i think it's amazing yeah it's, it can, well i want to to give a concrete one around the uh just the uh, more more mass shootings than days. Uh, I think this year uh, so far, um, the one of the things that I saw this in the last couple of weeks, and I want to try to to go to this. Um, uh, I I think a lot of the a lot of the uh, political discourse around this does end up being like un unhelpfully uh, Deridian in this sense. That uh, so I saw some uh, a couple different articles. Um, that laid out the problem is that like the Democrats, like the position in this country of uh, should, should we, or should we not uh, um, restrict access to, to guns is actually on the side of yes. And that actually the problem is the Democrats have is that how do you, how do you get a majority opinion to overwhelm a minority one? And where I think this ends up being deriding is that these basically with these articles that I, that I read, I think I saw one. I thought like the Rebecca Solnit had a, had an article in The Guardian. I thought was pretty good. I, I thought the she might have not been served well by her editor, who made the title of the article not really something she dealt with in yeah. the article. Yeah. Instead, what she instead what she was linking was the. Um, like the uh, the tie between uh, discourse on uh, gun violence and uh, the and discourse on rape and sexual assault, which is it foists the responsibility on the victim, and so she was tying th- those two things together. That was kind of more the point, but it had the title of being like the problem the Democrats have is can the majority out you know uh, oh right, uh, right you know so so that ended up being the thing. But I think th- there I've just seen it in other places. It's like like oh well, it's just like it's impossible it's impossible to make this majority position stand for this reason and this reason. And maybe that's not uh, Deridian, but I was just thinking about what you were saying, like the failure of every, of every quilting point. And I think, yeah. uh, I think if, again, if we understand, if we don't understand the quilting point in the way that we've been trying to argue about as the quilting point, getting at like something castrating, I think that that is um, a, an allied pol- uh, political project from because De- what you could say you know, I mean, Derrida would never, wouldn't be doing this, but what you could say is that, like, you could use a Derridian eye to, like, weed out the, like, quote, like, the bad quilting points, the ones that are not in right. The, right. the position of castration. I think that that, like, that could potentially yeah, yeah. work. Yeah. And so what I what I kind of came to is, like, okay, so, like, if this is a problem, the problem is how does a majority outwell the, 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 the minority position? And, I mean, this is the same thing also with, like, abortion and, like, uh, you know, uh, reproductive autonomy and stuff. Like, that is very much a minority opinion uh, that is poised in this country to outwhelm the, the vast majority uh, of people. So it, it just it, – the intervention can't come from the majority. I don't think the inter- – I don't think a majority can intervene in anything. That's Does a, it ever? Like – Effort. I, it's a it's an incomprehensibility. So what you right. need 
is you actually need another minority, like a, a pigeon. Right. And so, like I, I said this to you before the show, like it is a viable. You can, you can be a a popular. You can be on Fox News. You can be you can be an elected uh, representative in this country on the platform that everybody should have a gun. Absolutely everybody, in professions just like that. That's a that's a thing. Like that is how uh, Tommy Tuberville got elected with on uh, on like he didn't have very many. Uh, complicated political points, but I mean, this is a, that's a, that's a thing for him uh, already popular from being a college football coach, because that's the requirements that we have mm-hmm. in this country for be, uh, serving a political office. The, you know, so that's a, that's a, that is a, that is a viable political position. It, you know, it's not a viable political position in this country that no one should have guns that actually we need to really revise the way that we think about the second amendment, because what's happened is um, well-regulated militia, has well regulated has been interpreted to mean well armed and militia has been interpreted to mean interpreted to mean not a militia so right. if that's been what's right. happened like that that can be that canon should be overturned that is no one's running on that no one's saying that like the 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 position right. That, right. that 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 democrats even like i mean even even sanders right i mean like who has hunters in vermont that he's like like pay, paying like service to when he talks about guns um like is is that well maybe we shouldn't have not the most dangerous guns available all the time and that's not really a juicy political position there's not it's hard to i think get behind that very fervently the idea yeah it's interesting ryan because i think you're right that you know the fear always was oh they're gonna take away our guns but Maybe they have that fear, right? Like maybe that should like, be the fear. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I th- and I think that in a yeah. pr- in a pr- sorry to to, no, uh, go to to keep going on this, but but I think that you like even even if you wanted to like there are very safe blue uh, uh, d- districts in this country that you can just if you want as a trial have someone run on that and just see what that's like. See if maybe you get people to be politically active for your side who currently don't vote, because that's still like that's how Ocasio Cortez and like like all all the quote progressive insurgents have gotten elected is they've activated a voting block that doesn't normally vote, and right. uh, like I, there are there are very I think very practical ways you can trial that as an idea in places is like you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like there is no like you can tell how. You can tell a structural inequality is like by looking at the extremes of either way. Can you get elected president in this country and be a misogynist and hate women? Yeah, you totally can. Can you be elected uh, and uh, as openly and you hate men? I don't, no. I don't think that. No, no, that's not going to no. work. Can right. you get elected? Everyone should have guns, including children. Probably. Yeah, they yeah. got to learn young. Yeah. You give give them greater facility. They'll be better with it. Can you do it the other way? No, not currently. But right. I think that that like that's how you can tell. Like, Same how, thing with abortion, yeah. really, right? Like yes. you can't. Yes. If you said, "I think every woman needs to have an abortion because that way they know whether they're for it or against it," or to have a as child, a good or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's not a viable position. But, uh, yeah. but you can't, you can't. Like, if you're, if you're like, 
I think abortion should be common. You can't even say that. You have to say, mm-hmm. I think it should be rare and legal or whatever the term they use. Yeah, right? that like, is it. No, you're right. You're right. Legal and like rare. That would no, be an example, right? Like, so not yeah. everyone has to have an abortion, but just like, I think abortion should be just open, no problem, free by the state. You come in, you just get one, no one cares. That's my attitude. You know, up to like, Six months, it's fine. You know, like that. You, you, yeah. like no one could get elected with that position, even no. in a far left leaning. I don't know if there's any part in the world that could get elected with that position. Maybe there yeah. is. Maybe there is. It, well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I remember a long, long time ago, I saw this like, um, I saw this post. Uh, I don't know how I came upon this, which was that uh, the argument, the pro life argument was that people who are pro choice aren't consistent, and being pro life is more consistent just on the basis that they don't think there should be abortion, but the people who are pro-choice have carve-outs for where it's not okay. And I kind of thought, that's not an argument for being pro-life. That's an argument for expanding what we think of as <laughs> acceptable abortions. Like, like, right, like I think right. like you're just saying. Like I, so, so anyway, like I think that's um, the... Where where does that graft onto the idea of castration? Well, you know, the reason why Democrats are in this country, and I would probably say in others, don't do this is like it might be politically damaging to go that far. And I right. think you have to accept that cut and find out. Yeah, that's good. And that's yeah. really good. In other words, you have to be like uh, Spike Lee. Right? Got to be like Spike Lee yeah, or Michael Clayton. Yeah. Or Michael Clayton, right? So I <laughs> think. That the lesson yeah, I mean, I think that's the lesson. Watch, do the right thing. My God, how has that not been a lesson? Hitherto, I don't know. I don't believe it has been. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> All right, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.